Yeah, sure. Yep, okay, sounds good. All right, well, uh, for those of you who are new, which I know at least one of you is, uh, my name is Paul Krabenhoft. Uh, I've been coming to Newcastle and I've been a member since 2018. So uh, if you have any questions about the church or how things work around here, please let me know afterwards. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, what we're doing here th this morning, we're going to be doing a Bible study in Mark 7, verses 31 through 37. So in a moment, if you have your Bibles either in an app or in you know, physical form, which is pretty awesome if you have paper, uh, we'll go ahead and get to that in a minute. But before we do that, let's get through a couple announcements. As some of you may know uh, or have heard, uh, recently Pastor Scott and a team of people uh, just left uh, to go to San Francisco on a missions trip. So that's why you have me today and not Pastor Scott. Uh, and be praying for the team that's over there right now or on their way still, uh, that they, they get there with uh, as, as little complication as possible continuing forward but also that they be a glory to God and spread the good news of the gospel to those that are far from God and that they're able to reach out to our ministry partners in the San Francisco area. Myself, personally, am very interested to hear about their trip when they get back. I lived in the Bay Area for four years. I uh, was there from 89 to 93, and I was there during the 89 earthquake, which was also during the same time as the World Series, which was called Battle for the Bay because it was between the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants. When the earthquake happened, I was actually watching the pregame and getting into the game, and that's when that went down. So if you want to hear another story some other time about earthquakes, I've got a few. All right, so let's do a couple of announcements and then we'll get going. Uh, first Friday, it's coming up pretty quick uh, on the 5th of August and we're going to be doing a movie. The movie actually will not start at seven, so we'll have some other things going on. We're gonna to try to push it back to when the sun goes down as much as possible, so that we have a good movie night with uh, being outdoors and be, uh, be praying there isn't any rain. But if there is, we will just move everything in here and we'll do it uh, the same night, but in here. Another announcement is that we're trying to uh, start up this uh, rooted worship uh, team. This does not mean just musicians and singers uh, can come to this event. This event will be hosted at my home. Uh, my wife and I will be sharing the, the purpose of why we worship, the, our plan, and what we uh, intend to do for the next year to build this team up. And we have a couple special events that we're planning, one for in the fall, one for the winter, and one in the spring. And so those will be the things that we focus on as our milestone achievements throughout the year. But if you don't play an instrument and you can't sing or don't want to sing, but still want to contribute, we'll have roles either in the technology space or in just general help, uh, you know, being a stagehand, think of it that way. Uh, we'll need people to help out with just uh, their hands and their hearts and ready to serve, okay? So that, did I, I think I forgot to tell you the date though. <laughs> Sorry, August 10th, which is a Wednesday, uh, and it'll be at 6 p.m., and the address is here. If you didn't get an email, your parents should get an email. If they don't know anything about it, please have them contact me or Jen, and if they don't know how to get a hold of this, have them contact Pastor Scott, and he'll get a hold of us or get us connected, okay? There are no requirements to be a part of this ministry, but if you want to play an instrument, you have to be able to be able to play that instrument competently, and if you want to sing, you have to have the ability to sing. So other than that, you just have to have a heart ready to serve. 
All right, the other big announcement is the next summer study will be August 17th. I will not be there. I will actually be in Cleveland. Uh, but those of you that will be here will have a great time, and you'll be continuing your series about how we belong to God's body. Uh, the location, I think, is going to be communicated. It's going to be here? Goodfield Church, thank you. I failed to memorize that. Okay, so today we're going to dive into Mark 7, 31 through 36. Before we, you can go ahead and start turning to the Bible and I'll start talking to the context of what we're going to get into. But today we're going to talk about reaching farther, uh, how Jesus reaches into our lives, how we can reach into others' lives, uh, all in the praise of His glory, and how we can reach uh, across tables and across different spheres of influence in every way that we go into the world. So first, a little bit of context, and I know that math is hard to see. Uh, we're going to get into it uh, a little deeper, and I'll show you more of that in a moment. But I wanted you to get a general scope that uh, the area that he's in is going to be in that side over there, um, where it's, you can't even read it. But you see the big green spot, and then there's a spot over there. That's where we're going to be talking about where Jesus is at. So Jesus is traveling across the land, performing miracles, proclaiming the message, and proving out his purpose, and that is that he is the Messiah, the Savior of all. So the context is that he's in this time in his ministry where he's going out across the land, he's gone into Gentile territory, he's reaching across tables and across spheres. You know, this is a very abnormal thing for a Jewish man to do. And there's many stories in the Bible that talk about how he broke social protocol to reach those that are far from God. Jew and Gentile alike, which uh, we will get into a little bit more of the story in a minute. So it's common practice here. Uh, I would not call it a tradition, but it's a common practice that we like to stand for the reading of the Bible to show it reverence and to give it its uh, due honor. So please go ahead and stand up. All right. Verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon and the Sea of Galilee and the region of, now you can pronounce this out any way you want, but I like to call it Decapolis because then I remind, remind myself that's two words. Uh, and then they brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger into the ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epipatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. You may be seated. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the main point. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come together in fellowship, in faith, Lord, that we... We praise your holy name. You are a Lord of all. You reign over your kingdom and in this, 
entire cosmos. Lord, we do not understand the depth of your power, the depth of your riches, and the depth of your glory. But we come before you humbly confessing our weakness, our sin, and our inability to fully understand, fully comprehend your majesty. But today, we come to your throne, we come to your table, and we come to your word humbly seeking that you guide us in our heart, in our head, in our homes, in our hands, so that we may do the work of your glory and your power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus heals broken people by reaching into our lives and bringing uh, us into his kingdom. Typo, Kate, you want to note that? Dad's not perfect. Um, so, what we have to see in this, in this uh, passage, there is a, a bit of a, a method to the storytelling here. Specifically, Mark likes to follow kind of a, uh, a process or an outline of how people approach Jesus. They come to him asking for healing, asking for something that's known as a petition. If you've ever walked around and, and seen someone hold a piece of paper and, hey, can you sign my petition? That's not the exact same type of petition. It's more like a legal petition where you have some sort of position that you want changed. So you are personally coming to Jesus confessing sin or you are coming to Jesus saying, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need help. Or hey, my mom's sick. Can you please heal her? Hey, I'm sick or I broke my pinky playing football. Please help me through the pain. You know, that kind of thing. Jesus can reach into our lives, reach into our brokenness wherever we are and heal us with that. Now, today is a little different than then, okay? Number one, we're 2,000 years past the cross. We're into a time period which still is being written and defined every day that we walk through it. And we can talk more about that in the next few minutes. But what I want you to realize is at this time, miracles were happening and happening instantaneously. And they were powered by the Holy Spirit, by God the Father and Jesus working together in our reality, in our material being, but doing it in a supernatural way, a way outside of the material understanding that we have. So, with that in mind, I want you to think of some observations in the text. If you still have it open, it'll be easy. I want you to find a key word in there uh, another way to understand what I mean by keyword, number one, if there's a word you don't know what it is, it's probably a keyword, okay? Because it probably needs to be translated or understood in more depth. Another thing to look for a keyword in the text is if it, it sounds big. It sounds like there's a lot of descriptors, right? Um, amazingly astonished or astonished beyond measure, so I threw one out there for you. That's a keyword or a key phrase. Um, another thing to keep in mind is in English, we may have one word for many things, and we may have many words for one thing. In the Greek, a lot of times that's the same thing, but for them, there'll be one word that means something, and we have to explain it in five, okay? So sometimes we have to look at the context and look at the original Greek to understand, okay, was this one word and had like these modifiers? I know in class you're learning prefixes and suffixes. Well, sometimes Greek words had stuff in the middle and stuff on the outside, and the thing in the middle is actually describing the outside parts, and then the other way around. 
it, it's a very complicated language, and specifically the language this is written in, the Koine Greek, uh, in the New Testament mostly, uh, is a little complicated, okay? And that's why we have different translations, and that's why we have different versions of the Bible. There's only one true Bible, and that's the original writings, but we have copies, okay? And we have copies that authenticate what we have is true and good and accurate and sufficient and has the power to change our lives and to reach into whatever brokenness we have, either brokenness by distraction, brokenness by destruction, and brokenness by a lot of other things that we can't control, but I usually just wrap it up into the devil's handiwork, okay? So those are the three Ds that I think of. All right, this is the time where I'll let you yell at me. What observations do you have? It helps I can put it back up. I know it's hard to read, it's kind of small. I got another five minutes to go. I'm going fast, so I'm gonna wait for y'all to come up with one word. No one has one word. Wow. You guys all tired today? Well, a word that's in there would be preferred. What, a word that stands out. Yeah, that word is that one's crazy, right? Like it's it's in the uh, well, it's in in the Greek. It's in its original language, but then he translates it. Mark translates it to be opened. It's a command. Yes, sir. What? Oh yeah, yeah. The word is hard to say. I probably butchered it as well. There's debate on what actual language that was. Some people thought it could have been Hebrew, because some of the Hebrew is not really well known, or Aramaic. And that's why Mark translated it, because remember, Mark's speaking to mostly the Greek population of believers and unbelievers alike. All right, I'm going to help you out. So they, in the first couple of verses, there's a they. Whenever you see a, a pronoun like that and you're not really sure, well, who is this they? Well, this they is the friends, right? The blind, or the, sorry, the deaf and the mute man was brought by friends, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit more of that in a minute. But this they is more than one. Because if it was, you know, let's say uh, Brandon brought me somewhere and Mark knows Brandon and Mark knows Paul, he'd say, well, Brandon brought Paul to Jesus, Right? But they said they, right? So it's probably Caleb, Cade, Andy, and Brandon brought Paul to Jesus. So it's they. But he doesn't mention that they. Why is that? I don't know. It doesn't say. And none of the commentators really, really understood that either. All right, the next word, privately. Well, when they, those four, brought me to Jesus, so this deaf, mute guy, he's, Jesus said, wait, let's go over here. Right? So why do you think he did that? I don't know. But I think what it can teach us is that Jesus can meet us where we're at in a crowd and bring us privately to to communicate, to understand. That's why we, we can pray in public and we can pray in private. We can study the Bible in public, we can study the Bible in private. But the power of the gospel is when we are shoulder to shoulder, when we're working in circles together, or we're working in, 
any kind of fellowship opportunity to spread the gospel, okay? But this private, this private aspect was keenly uh, articulated for a purpose. All right, the other parts of it is you were in the region of the, of the Gentiles. Uh, you can call it the Decapolis or Decapolis, or however you want to say it. It depends on how you want to read it. The reason I like to break it up is because the word deca. Does anybody know what deca means? Go ahead, Andy. Ten. That's right. Does anyone know what polis usually means? Some people call it polis, Indianapolis, Minneapolis, a city, a populace, the word populace, think of that. So it's a ten populace. It's an area of ten notable populations of people, groupings, or cities, or towns, um, think of it this way there would be like Tremont but then there's like the unincorporated part of Tremont the people that say they live in Tremont that actually live in this, the town but they say they live in Tremont that's the same idea right they say they live in a town but they really live around the town Okay. so think of it that way it's like a, an understanding of a, a region or a circle or sphere as I was saying earlier okay we're going to get into astonished a little bit more deeply because it's not just astonished it's like immensely astonished, and it's one word in the Greek. And then proclamation. There's a key aspect in the verses we'll get into later about proclamation. Does anybody not know what the word proclamation is? And if you don't, that's okay. It's, a, it's kind of a, not as a, much of a used word these days. But it means to, to tell of the good news, a good story, or to declare something, to say, state something, so that everybody is on the same page or knowing it. So, you know, if there's rules, you would proclaim the rules, or if there's good news about something, you'd proclaim that news. So there's a proclamation here. Okay, so this is a little bit bigger, and I wanted to point out, you know, uh, Jerusalem is way down there, right uh, north and east of that word where it says Judea. And then we have the Decopolis, as I like to call it, so I remind myself of the words break up. We call it the Decopolis. Okay? So this gives us a lay of the land, where he's at. Get the Sea of Galilee and all the other towns that we've heard about in his travels during his ministry and kind of working his way around, okay? The funny thing is, in this trip that is articulated in Mark 7, he didn't really, like, go in a straight line. didn't really circle. It's like these arcs. He kind of like went around and then went back to where he was and then came around and went back to where he was, kind of like slithering around a little bit in the region. And that's why you can hear them talk about, well, last time he was here, or the time before, the people who knew him from last time. That's what they're talking about. Okay. <clears throat> so now we're getting into, if you wanted to keep notes, you totally can. You have the notes there. Uh, this is a, a clear uh, process that's laid out in Mark and other times before where Jesus is encountered by people that are petitioning, that are bringing something to him, either for themselves or for someone else. And so Jesus reaches into our lives in this, in this time. In this, he goes to where they're at. He can come to where we're at. You know, we can be lost and broken and far from God, and Jesus can reach into our lives very powerfully through his word, through prayer, through being around other believers and being... Um, surrounded by the gospel 
hearing the good news that's proclaimed that Jesus came into this world, a sinless man born of a virgin who walked perfectly on a straight line, never varied, never wavered, is the God incarnate, the God-man who died for our sins, who paid a price that he didn't have to pay, but he paid it for us on the cross on the day of Calvary and was resurrected on the third day. That Jesus was not only resurrected and lived again after death, but then ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father and sits there today at the behalf of us petitioning God the Father and working with the Holy Spirit to seal us for all eternity, to keep us from walking away from him. No true believer walks away from Jesus, okay? You may have your, your times in life where you struggle. You may even seem like you're far from God, but God is never far from you. I know this from my own life, and I've seen it in many of my friends. So know that how far you are, God can reach you. I was once very far so far that many people thought I was irredeemable, but God can redeem all of us. We could talk about that in small groups, about my story, or if you ever have a question, you want to hear more of my story, I can tell that at another time. But today we're going to focus on the scripture. We can bring others to Jesus, right? I'm assuming that your parents brought you here today or you drove yourself, but when you didn't drive, your parents would bring you to church. Many of you, I recognize that I know your parents, Um, I also know that you have deep relationships and friends here that bring you to opportunities here to hear the gospel. But also, your friends can be praying for you. They can be speaking words of life into your life. They can be sharing the word with you, sharing in study, sharing in the love that we have each other because God first loved us. So that's something I want you to think through. And when we get to application, we'll talk a little bit more about how we can introduce people to Jesus and speak truth, but in love, but also how we can help each other, how we can lift each other up in our circumstances. And I know that some of you are probably going through things I don't know, and they're hard, they're tough. I get that. Um, I don't understand everything that you're going through, but Jesus does, and Jesus can reach into your life, reach into your heart, and restore whatever is broken or bring you into a greater understanding in Christ so that you can weather the storm. There's this idea today that we should have an easy life. That is not true. The Bible does not guarantee you'll have an easy life. In fact, it's full of believers having suffering but knowing why they suffer, having a purpose in their suffering that it's for God's glory and not for our comfort. There will not be a day until the glory comes that you will not have pain. You may not feel it. You may have a good day. But there will be a time in your life where you'll go through deep sorrow. You'll go through tragedy. But God will bring you through. We can encounter Jesus privately. And I mentioned that. And this points out to the man whose friends brought him to Jesus. Then Jesus talks to you privately. And yes, he does speak to him. And we're going to talk about how he does that in a moment. But before we do that, I want you to be reminded of something, something from Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles available and ready, and if you don't, that's okay, I have it up here. But if you do, go to Isaiah 35, just so you can maybe remember where it is, or write it down. Isaiah 35, 5 through 7. And it says that 
Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sink for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is a picture of salvation. This is a picture of what is to come in glory. This is a picture of us being pulled out of despair and into joy. So Isaiah, uh, if you don't know Isaiah and you don't know much about the book of Isaiah, uh, it's, it's prophecy. It, some of it has passed, some of it is happening now, and some of it is yet to come. Okay? This is being spoken to us uh, from, from many, many years ago. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and transition to being touched by Z- Jesus. And the other way I like to think of this is how does Jesus reach us? How does Jesus speak to us? How does Jesus communicate with us? And what I would say is Jesus can reach you no matter what. You all, I'm assuming all of you can hear me. <laughs> I'm not signing, so I'm assuming none of you are deaf, but imagine you are, and imagine you can't speak. Or if you can, it's really weird, and it's marbled, and the words aren't all that clear. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Now, some people think that he spat on his finger and put it on his tongue. I don't know that. It doesn't say that clearly. The way I I imagine it, just based on the description, is he put his fingers in his ear, spat, then touched his tongue, which also sounds kind of gross, because if you have fingers in your ear and you touch a tongue, either way, there's some gross stuff, right? Let's just admit it. It's kind of gross. And then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said the word that I can't say, epithatha, and that is be opened, and his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. I'm going to put verse 35 off to the side. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I didn't want to leave that out of the context of what Jesus is doing here. So for a moment, uh, I'm going to change my example up. And I'm going to say that Sean's the deaf guy. Is that okay, Sean? Okay. I'm Jesus. And I put my fingers in Sean's ears. And his buddies are standing around him. And they're like, what is going on here? And then I spat on the ground. That's what I'm going to go with. Because I don't know any better. And touch his tongue. And then look at the heaven and said, be opened. And then all of a sudden, bam, Sean's hearing me. And not just hearing me, understanding me, because he didn't know English or whatever I'm speaking, American. And then he then can say things he couldn't say before. And words he didn't really know because he didn't know them. He didn't hear them. He didn't. There isn't sign language. There isn't braille for blind people. There isn't a way that he could understand it. Okay? Because even if you're deaf and you can read the words, you don't truly know how they're pronounced. And the way I understand that is my daughter Kara is reading like crazy and she's reading way above her station in life and she's reading words that she's never heard before and when she says them, she says them phonetically and I have to sit back and go, maybe we should be saying that way. But then I then remind her, you know, eh, I remember English is weird or American is weird. We say it like this sometimes and she just shakes her head and walks off, right? Because that's what seven-year-olds do. But the point being she never heard the word, and she's pronouncing it the way she thinks it should be said based on what she knows of the English language, or American, whatever you want to call it. That's for you, Andy. All right, so that point being made, 
This is a, an extremely important miracle because it also breeds implication into what we hear later in the Bible about the ability to speak a language you don't know and the ability to understand a language you don't know, right? Now, that is something that we can talk for another day and how that all works, or at least how I understand it, how it works. Um, but for now, let's just bask in the glory that Jesus was able to communicate with that man in a way that I think he understood what was about to happen. I really do. I think that man was like, wow, this is going to be interesting and powerful. Jesus is touching me, and bam, now I can talk. And I don't know about you all, and maybe, Sean, you can think about this for a moment since you've been pretending to be this guy. I don't think I'd be able to shut up, right? And then everything I would hear would be glory. I'd hear music for the first time. I'd be able to understand my friends the way I didn't understand them before. And our communication was probably strained in the past, but there was still love there because they brought him to Jesus. So that's something to think about, right? When we, when we know somebody who's far from God and far from Jesus, and we can see that miracle happen, see that happen for them, that is a glory to God, right? That's why it says the angels in heaven rejoice, that all heaven sings a praise when one unbeliever becomes one of the, the brothers and sisters of the faith. So, simply put, when we read the Bible, we can understand it. You don't, I mean, if you're reading it, you have to know how to read somewhat, right? But there, and there's words in there you're probably not going to understand. That's, that's fair. But you can, you can understand it, generally speaking. Now, that, there's caveats to that, you know. There's some intricacies there. But the other thing to think through is that if someone teaches it to you, it's easily to understand. Now, there are elements of the Bible that we cannot fully comprehend, but we can apprehend that it's true, that we can apprehend the truth of it. And some of you have probably heard me say this before, so I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that I have seen more than the ocean than all of you combined in person and traveled over it because I was on a ship for three years in the U.S. Navy. With that being said... I do not understand the depths of the ocean and the vastness of it. And I've seen more of it than any of you here and probably all of you combined. And I've dove into it. I've been pretty deep, deeper than I would like to admit. And I cannot understand the vastness of it. How deep it is, is immeasurable. And God is greatness and his glory is immeasurable. Beyond that, beyond the heavens. You look up to space and you see that star and you start thinking Light years. I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend how long it would take me to get there going a speed that I felt. I'd have to be beyond that to get, ever get there in my lifetime, right? Or be frozen, I guess. You can think of that. But it's, it's just crazy to think that God's immeasurability is beyond that. But Jesus can be understood we can understand Jesus. We can understand his word. We can understand the Holy Spirit working on our lives and reaching those around us and reaching us, okay? So then let's... Actually, I'm going to back up for a second. And this is a funny story. I'm sitting there the other day and I'm reading a commentary that Pastor Scott gave me and it pointed out this next few verses as something to compare to. And I was sitting next to Kara and I was like, hey, Kara... Do you ever remember the story about the blind and, uh, I'm sorry, the, the deaf and the mute man 
and how Jesus touched him, and he spits and touched his tongue, and she goes, ew, gross. And then she says, oh, it reminds me of the blind guy, and later in, in that book, and sure enough, that's the thing the commentator's talking about. I thought, oh, that's really awesome. Um, I'm not really into this whole, like, signs thing that people say, well, God's giving me a sign, I should talk about it. But, I mean, I read it, we talked about it, I was like, hey, it's probably a good idea, let's talk about it here. So later in Mark 8, we see a similar format of a, the same kind of process where this man is encountering Jesus. Jesus does some stuff that you could... It sounds kind of gross, right? And then the man's sight is returned, and returned fully. Now, yes, there's this step process thing that happens, but it's not like over a week or over a month or over years that his eyesight got better. Heck, it's not even really that many seconds, right? So, and some people like to make a big deal of the process, but all I want to point out is that these two stories, and the story before it, I think Pastor Scott went over a couple weeks ago, they all have some, a similar thing going on here, that Jesus reaches into our lives, no matter how far we are, and br- can bring, him in, bring us into his family, all for his glory. So then we continue on, and we get into verse 35. So I told you I was going to park that off to the side. We're going to get back into it now. And then uh, we're going to talk about wrapping this up, okay? I'm not going to reread it, but I want to talk to, there's the power over the natural and the purpose in the supernatural. And a lot of times you'll hear this in popular Christian media or culture, a lot of discussion about miracles, a lot of awe in the miracle. And that's good. We should have an awe in the miracle. I'm not taking that away. What I'm saying is, don't get so wrapped up into the prize that we forget about the purpose, right? That we don't get so wrapped up into the miracle that we forget about the message and we forget about the Messiah. Because the miracles, although they are very great and astonishing in what they do and what they perform in those people's lives, but what's more important is that Jesus is the Messiah. That his words are greater than the works and they are all to worship him. Okay? So what we see in those verses is Jesus' power on display. Then he gives a command, which is disobeyed. Let's be clear about that. And then what is spread is the good news that all he does is well. Another way to say is all he does is perfect. All he does is glorified. So we sit there and we think about this power and we think about in the past... What what other times, you know, in the Old Testament, did someone say, hey, I don't really have this ability to speak well, and God, you know, at the burning bush, sets Moses straight. But Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord, the great I am? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Now, if all you know the story that happens later, you all know that Aaron really steps up here, right? He steps up and does a lot of the speaking. But what's important to remember here, and there's a bit of a a connection to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, when he says, go forth, or having gone, spread the good news, make disciples of all the nations, and I will be with you to the end of the age. It's a very similar 
idea is here. So it, this is another sign miracle pointing that to the Jesus is the Messiah. He is the God-man. He has the power over the tongue, power over the ear. And you can go all the way back to Exodus in the Pentateuch, back to the original five books, pointing out that God has always said, I am the one who has all this power, no other. So Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus is the God-man. He is the Son. All right, so points to consider. I'm going to wrap up. So we can encounter Jesus publicly, privately, you know, as we go throughout our life, either as an unbeliever, Jesus can reach into our lives and bring us into the faith. As a believer, he can strengthen us, give us power in the moment to get through some really tough times, some scary stuff that happens in our lives, car accidents, uh, medical emergencies, all kinds of weird stuff that you don't expect that can just blindside you. Jesus can be there with you. Jesus can reach us no matter what, no matter how far, how many sins you think you've created. There are no sins. There aren't enough sins that will keep you from Jesus. Jesus is more powerful than all. And that the power proves the purpose. These miracles weren't done just to benefit those people. Yes, they did benefit from them, but they are done to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, that his works lead to the power and authenticating his words and that his words lead us to worship him. So, uh, main point, Jesus heals broken people by reaching into our lives and bringing us into his kingdom. And for an application, I want you all, excuse me, to think about how you worship our holy God. And with that in mind, don't forget, if you would like to join the Rooted Worship team uh, in any way, shape, or form, there's that session on August 10th, but also reach out to me or Jen in any way you see fit to figure out how you can serve or join the cause. The other application is for you personally, trust in Christ, repent of your sins, believe uh, what uh, the Bible says about him is true. <clears throat> Excuse me. Confess your sins at the cross. Come before him, kneel down, and ask for forgiveness and then forgive others of the sins that have committed against you. And I don't know all those sins. I'm going to assume that some of them are very scary and they're very big, but I want you to remind yourself of one truth. Jesus is bigger than all. Jesus is greater than all, and Jesus paid for all. All right. I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple minutes. If you want to find people in your small group or in your circle of of friends that you have here, just go ahead and just reach out and say hi and ask them how you can be praying for them. Ask them what's going on in their lives. And then please put the chairs away. Okay? And then you're dismissed. All right?